I know more about my cat genealogy than I know about myself. So in the last episode, we mostly did uh, a follow-up episode to introduce our feedback se- section uh, where we read everything you posted on Gmail, Reddit, or Twitter at Not Daily Podcast everywhere. Uh, but in the opening, I we, we talked about how I trained a machine learning corpus on myself and on uh, authors that I like. And uh, I have a tweet from Gilles Jen who picked up on this point, and in particular the point about uh, cop- like what this raises for copyright. Uh, and he showed me something that kind of blew my mind a little bit. So have you ever heard of the Waifu Generator project? No. Maybe I should start by that. It's people in machine learning who've trained an algorithm on a corpus of anime image and maybe fan art, I'm not sure, uh, uh, so that they can generate anime girls, like new generative model, like anime girls that nobody's seen before. So it's like uh, your own waifu that nobody has seen before. And so these guys were at Anime Expo, and Jiljen showed me they made a vending machine of waifus. So you arrive, you put like the money in, it processes, I think it asks you a couple of questions to customize your waifu, and then it randomizes, uh, like it gives you uh, a newly generated uh, anime girl that nobody's seen before, and prints it, uh, so you, like you would print, an, uh, like you would buy an, uh, a printed art book in a convention for like, I think $5 in the US, okay. and sell that. So there's already people selling generated content. But is that only a, so is that only a picture or like there's a description as well? I think it's a picture. Maybe okay. they generate the name, but that's not very hard. But the, the, that doesn't change anything to the, the, the point, right? Yeah, yeah, clearly not. I just like, just wanted to know. I like, I was very surprised to see that they went this far already because I mean, like, it's a bit dubious, right? To make money off of that. Uh-uh. They don't own the, da- the training set. The training set is from Academy and you're not surprised. I'm, I'm not that surprised. Like, I'm not that surprised. If, if we're good enough, like, I don't know, last time when you showed, like, your text, like, it was good enough to say that it's kind of art. And as long as, like, it's art, you can sell it, I guess. So I'm not that surprised that someone would sell it and like compared to that to the copyright thing i think art is like generative on some stuff that you've seen before still like even for like artists that do it themselves like it just generative process and like what you've learned and what, what you've been taught so i don't think that's completely insane there's still work involved like they work on the algorithm they like try to make it look good so as long as their work it has value i guess and like marks thanks marks and so you can sell your work i guess yeah maybe the 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 weird point in it is the relationship between art and money in the end it's all fine and good until you throw in like private property and copyright into the mix and these are the hard concepts not the art that you're making yeah but like i i really feel like that I'm really not sure that in a court, because like, 
copyright law are very simple. Like it's very complicated, but it's based on a very simple principle. And so you're not, you are using some stuff, but it's not shown in the algorithm. Like you can remove your training set from your algorithm. Like once the algorithm is made, like the actual training set doesn't really exist anymore. So like for, for a copyright, lawyer to win that case i think it would be like very very hard it's interesting yeah that's a good point i like that i like looking at it that way maybe we should move on do you have anything else yeah i only have one feedback and the feedback so a person start like a friend of mine started the podcast with the feedback episode so obviously it was a bit of a weird experience <laughs> for her <laughs> she was like no i really liked it but it was a bit weird to follow so when you start, like basically when you start our podcast with like the feedback episode, first you are, you are, you're a bit lost, like what the fuck are they talking about? And also what's interesting is when you're doing feedback in a podcast, you can answer, like you can answer a feedback of your last podcast, but in the next podcast, you can also, for example, right now, like just before that, we talked about like copyright law and then on that thought, we can have like feedback and we can talk about that and like. 100 episodes in the like down the line we can also talk yes. about copyright uh, yes we absolutely can but i think we should try not to <laughs> otherwise it's gonna have like the sagas of feedback that are gonna be pretty hard to follow i think as much as possible we could, should keep the feedback to the last episode or the episode to the main question well one episode to the other right and then maybe we can discuss it further on reddit or whatever but it's gonna be super confusing for listening I think obviously we need to bind bind ourselves a little bit so that we don't get too crazy. So by the way, uh, I just bought a new cat and it's called Rumus or Humus or Humus or Rumus. Rumus. Well, I'm a bit frustrated by it. Like I'm calling him Rumus. Does he understand your tone when you're frustrated? Well, I only have it for like the last week. So right now he doesn't really know me, but it's getting there. Like I changed his name. He's one year old. So I'm changing his name uh, just by not mentioning his old name. It was called Oriflam before and I'm not calling my cat Oriflam. <laughs> That is pretty. I don't know. It sounds like a fire Pokemon from like yes, the exactly. twelve generation. Exactly. Like no. Huh? It's it's a lot. It's like very much. Yeah. I don't know what, but it's much of that. Yeah, exactly. It's too much. <laughs> so you went for diet food. So diet food, like it goes into the last Romus Mochi Tofu, all food. So it's like continuing the series. So I'm happy with that. The only thing that like I really wanted to tell you is I didn't realize how big a main con is. So I really wanted a big cat. Is it is he a tiger? And but I really thought that like okay, there was a bit big. All my old cats were quite big. Like Tofu is a fat cat, Mochi was a big cat, not fat. And but like this Umus is just gigantic. He's not big like he's eight kilos. Is, did he finish his growth? No. So usually, like what you see on what you see on the internet is like they grow until three. So I've asked my vet. I was like, "Are you sure three seems a lot?" And she told me like basically it will still grow for six months, and after that it should kind of stop. Yeah, that, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, this kind of like a standard size. But the thing is, his father was fifteen kilos, so he has room to grow. <laughs> So I thought all my old cat stuff could be used for him and nothing can be used for him. I didn't realize how big it would be. 
So for example, the litter box, you wouldn't use the litter box for the first five days because you couldn't just like enter it. So I need to buy a new litter box. But the thing is because Maine Coon are not that common, everything is made for small cat. And when it says like huge cat, it's like five to six kilos. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's because it's very rare, so. Yeah, but everything is so expensive. Like, I, l insanely expensive. Like, the litter box, the huge litter box for my cat, costs like 60 bucks. And it's not a fancy one, it's literally just a box. But because it needs to be that big, and like, they sell like one, like 10 a year, then it's 60 bucks. But like, yeah, my budget for my cat has just completely skyrocketed. Plus you have, like, yeah, at the beginning, it's always the worst time because you have all the, all the settle, settle down expenses. So yeah, so that's my story about my new cat. Well, and like semi-parented, I think a cat is the best thing. Plain awesomeness. Well, maybe there's cats, uh, like maybe theoretically there could be cats that you regret buying, but I haven't had this experience. With my old cat, it was a bit too much. Like it was waking me up. He was like asking way too much attention. Like, so it was a bit much, but I never regretted it. Yeah. Each time he comes and like gives you a meow and I like, give you a little like paw, paw thingy and like you pet him. It's just so... Yeah, but maybe I can conceive of the existence of cats who don't do any of this. And just because I haven't seen one doesn't mean... <laughs> Oh, 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 stop, stop, stop. I want you to talk about something about the cat that I forgot about. Uh, I think it's, it's like one of the funniest things. Uh, so my cat doesn't know how to drink water. And basically, so he has like a, a bowl of water. And each time he pours around it and then pours in it and then drink, but doesn't drink like at the border of the bowl. Like he puts his whole head in the bowl so it's full of water and there's water everywhere in my flat and so i was like what the fuck is happening there so i looked online yeah and and i want to talk about that because like it's based on his race so it, like maine coon come from the state of maine and looks like raccoon so that's why it's called like maine coon oh okay and in maine usually there's ice sometimes in the year and when there's ice like the cat like actually like pour the like snow and then put his paw in the snow for it to melt and then he drinks it oh that's cute and so he's doing that every day not knowing how to drink putting water everywhere and then he looks at me like oh there's water everywhere <laughs> uh, and so like it's the cutest thing but what i wanted to talk about and what's fucked me up a bit is all this behavior because like it's kind of a complicated behavior and it fucked my mind that like this is encoded like in the gene in the genes yeah yeah yeah, I mean, there's crazy amount of stuff encoded in the genes that are yeah. very weird, right? Like the the way they play with uh, the strings, etc. It comes from snakes, and like there's there's very complex information encoded there that you have innate knowledge of. For your pe precise water problem, though, I just want to say maybe you should use running water. Uh, cats usually don't like uh, stale water. I know, but I can't bear the noise. Oh, really? Like, uh, yeah. It's like a zen fountain. I yeah, love it. Yeah, I know, but like, I am very, very... Like, at home, there's always a weird background noise. 95% of the time, I have my headphones on. Okay. I just can't bear, like, background noise. This episode is brought to you by Tennis. Do you like hitting small yellowish bouncy balls with vaguely circular shaped objects? Well, you're in luck because that's exactly what tennis is. So give it a shot.
we wanted to talk about a bit of media to switch things up a little bit and more precisely an anime series that came out uh, during spring 2019 so a couple of months ago uh, by director uh, Ikuhara that a lot of people know from uh, Revolutionary Girl Utena or Mawaru Penguin Drum so <laughs> don't look at me like that <laughs> so who knows it from it okay that... I want this podcast to to, to speak to a large no, large diversity of audience and a lot of people care about that I'll have you know. Uh, so Hikuara is famous for using a lot of symbolism and dealing with identity and a lot of stuff that Sarazanamai does get into and we'll get into that. Uh, first, I think we'll try to get a very brief summary to catch, to catch people up. I strongly recommend you see it before watching this episode because we are going to spoil everything. And I consider it to be a great show, so I would recommend you go there first. So it's only 12, 11 episodes, 20 minutes per episode. It's not very binge-watchable, to be honest. I've binge-watched it. It was not that great. It was a great show, but it was not that great to binge. So I would consider to, like, linger in and, like, watch one episode per day or something. Yeah, I mean, that's how it was uh, It was conceived. And Hikuara is the kind of person who really leverages every piece of meta-information he can have about the the series. So this show ca came out with a side manga that uh, a brief... Uh, a pre Equal sign manga and an actual uh, sign manga during the run. I didn't know that. The, the the industry constrains him to 11 episodes because that's the format nowadays. People don't invest in longer term. So he squeezed out of all the marketing materials the the possibility the narrative possibilities and so he's really really aware of what he's doing. So I think he planned it to be a weekly show. But anyway, why do we care about this show? So why are we talking about anything in that podcast? It's just, it seems interesting to us as like a concept or as an object of ID. And right now we have never talked about a show or like art or like a piece of art or, or right now we're talking about an anime. And it seems to us that like it was an interesting show. So it's an interesting anime. Anime for people who don't know is basically a cartoon, like a Japanese cartoon. And this one tried to design some really interesting things about like our capitalistic society. And so we saw that, like, and for you, and I think it would be a bit different why it's like interesting or not, but we saw that it would be an interesting thing to talk about. I mean, there's definitely a lot of meat to dig, like uh, conceptual meat to dig in it. <laughs> that makes any sense. Okay, with that out of the way, brief summary. Uh, should I try? Go for it. <laughs> It's not very easy to explain, yeah, and exactly. even less in brief. But so this is a show about the myth of uh, Kappa, which is a legendary myth in uh, a, a mythological creature in Japan, who are kind of frog-like creatures who long after, I think the myth is like human desire, the, the, the life seed of human, and they find it in human's butt under the form of a ball called Shirikodama. So this is the, the mythology, okay? We haven't started with the anime yet. <laughs> and so the anime is about three boys uh, called Kazuki, Toei, and Enta who get kind of enrolled by uh, the Kappa King to fight the Otter army. So you have these armies of Kappas and Otter who fight each other. 
the kappa tend to be associated with light and the otters with dark, but we'll go into that. And so the otters constantly try to uh, leverage the lust of some people. So the energy desire in the original text is yokubo, uh, for those for people who understand Japanese. So they try to make use of that, and the kappa side tries to counter that. So they steal the shirikodama back. And they do that by exposing and bringing to light the most uh, repressed secrets. The first half of the series is focused on the character growth of Kazuki, which is kind of the main character, and in particular his relationship with his little brother. So all the characters have a dirty little secret that they keep that they don't want the world to know. And so the first half of the series is about Kazuki, uh, his complex uh, relationship with his brother, which he somehow resents because Kazuki was adopted, if I remember correctly, right? I'm not sure it's because of that, but like we can... And I'm trying to keep things simple and quick. (laughs) And the second half of the series is about the whole... uh, Kappa versus Otter dialectic. Wow, starting with the big words already. Uh, and about the three boys coming together, they discover that they knew each other in the past. Uh, they all have a dirty secret. So Toei's dirty secret is that he's killed a man, and Enta's dirty secret is that he has a crush on Kazuki. Uh, which brings me to my main question uh, for you. Who's the best boy? <laughs> uh, before... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but like, I like... Just say you don't have a favorite, don't make that face. (laughs) No, because like, I don't like, and I think you, I don't, I I have no no thought about what you like or what you you don't like, weirdly. But I don't like the useless guy, like I don't remember his name, the guy that has a crush on the main character. Enta. I don't like Enta. So what's what's the three names? Enta, blah, blah, and Toy? Enta, Toei, and Kazuki. But you can say uh, crush guy, killer guy, and uh, brother guy if you want. <laughs> I'm, I'm never really good with names. So I don't like Enta because I don't like what he's doing, like his action. And each time it's like, shut up and don't do that. Kazuki is like meh, like doing his stuff, he makes sense. And I like Toei, but I don't know, Toei, but I don't know why. And I think, like, it doesn't make sense. (laughs) Because it's so cool. Do we want to go directly into the nitty-gritty? I think we can still stay a little bit light if you tell me, like, what you like or didn't like about it. What do you think about the ending? A lot of people were surprised because this director is not very used to happy endings. It's it's almost too happy. (laughs) It's happy without being happy, though. It's bittersweet. So, first, it's bittersweet a bit. And secondly, like, the thing is, like, I didn't rewatch the first episode. So, I'm not 100% sure what I'm going to say. But I feel like in the first episode, you're watching... So, Kazuki is the main character going around with a box, like, with the Amazon box, which is called, like, whatever, Kappa box. Uh, and there's something in the box. And in the whole show, it talks a lot about relationship and, like, desire and blah, blah, blah. It doesn't talk a lot about small desire of, like, objects. But there's still a denunciation of that in the form of like this Amazon that is everywhere and like that is giving objects and like this person that just say basically every day buy something. Uh, and in the last episode, you st- like you still have that one person that say like buy something. You still have that ad in the street. You st- 
So you still have the small desire that is against like your real desire, basically. It's just feeling like a void that doesn't really do anything. And so you're upset about yeah, your... You don't like that. You don't like this part. No, I'm not. Ups- I'm not upset. I think I would have preferred people dying. <laughs> <laughs> so we're stepping in into the meat. So one of the things I wanted to talk about is this uh, dialectic between these two types of desire. Right? You have the lust for the. the worldly desire of material objects that is very well represented by the box that is the theme of an episode every every week at the beginning so this is the side that i feel is represented by the author empire that tries to leverage this lust energy and as opposed to that side you have this so-called quote-unquote true desire that you're supposed to power through the little desire to focus on what you really, really, really want. Zig zig I. The true desire supposedly supposedly represented by the Kappa Empire that powers through like the, you're supposed to kill the little desire to focus on the on the light side. That's the dialectic they present in the first six episodes. Yes, which 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 I'm not really sh- like that's one part that I was a bit confused about, like all the other empire stuff. What like people that like are listening to the show need to know is that like this director like reads Lacan. Lacan is like a French psychoanalyst. It's very much influenced by like Lacan work, and I'm a bit like there's no such thing as real desire being love so that's why i don't really understand and i'm not sure it's a mistake and so i'm not sure what the author need wants to do to be honest the whole point of the ending is that this uh idea of pure love as opposed to small desire is wrong right i think well we'll come back to that later like let's start with okay let's start like let's take the first five episodes in a vacuum because i think it's easier yeah so so if we take the first so the first five each each episode like the first like four or five episodes it's a very st- kind of straightforward show. So there's one person that have a TV show that say, today we're gonna take pleasure in having a selfie with an object. So it can be like a bowl, it can be like like anything, like a bottle of water, it can be whatever you like, can imagine. And it's it's uh, the the portrayal makes it very uh, connected to today's society, right? With the selfie, the Amazon box, like the. Everything points to our society. And then something happened. So, and then there's these like bad guys that like, portrayed bad guys that are cops. The author. That basically try to find someone that have a weird kind of desire with this capitalistic object. So for the balls, it's like this guy wants to be kicked in the ball by his like mistress. It's often sexual. It's often super sexual. So by putting that desire in light, in front of, by exhibiting that desire, the problem, which I never understood, is solved somehow. <laughs> like this part, I'm not sure I understand. Yeah, I guess this is kind of like exposure therapy 101, like, like a toy version of exposure therapy, like put yourself face to, to what you refuse to see, like to your hidden side and accept it so expo because what is shown is basically that like this secret is the object like small a of lacan that's the, i think that's the exact opposite i think the secret 
prevents you from like shields the object little a of Lacan. So it's the point maybe where you need to explain what is object little a in a few sentences. So object little a in a few sentences. Super fast. Basically, you're born. You're you're in your mother. And like everything is perfect, like the world is perfect, you're one with the world, like everything is is nice and like you're happy. Everything is, would you say everything is connected? Everything is connected. <laughs> Literally everything is connected. Everything is you, you is everything, like you're happy. Then you're born, you suck the teeth of your mother, everything is nice, you're, you're still connected, there's still the world, the world is you, your mother is you, you is your mother, everything is perfect. Still. Then your mother is like, fuck that shit, I need to do like my life, I have a life. So she leaves <laughs> to do some stuff. And then uh, what's happening is that you feel bad for the first time in your life. You're like, fuck, life is not perfect. Oops. And like, you're not a whole anymore. You're just something that is missing something else. You have a, you, would you say you, yeah, you have a lack. You're missing something. Yeah, you're, you're missing something. Then you, you see yourself in the mirror and you're like, what is this thing? And you're like, oh, fuck, that's me. So then, like, you're even more disconnected with everyone else. And, like, it's the first time that, like, you are you. And, like, you are, like, awake of, like, your, like, individuality as, like, a person. And that fucks you up. Because being individual is not nice. Like, it's, like, harder than just, like, being in a perfect world where, like, you're, every, you're everything. I mean, yeah, it's being individual because you're disconnected, because you're isolated. Being individual means being isolated, being disconnected from the rest. So that the so you're constructing yourself in opposition of the, like, by, by lack. And this lack creates desire. And this desire of, like, fulfilling this lack, yeah, you live with this lack of, like, fuck, I'm not one with everything. You know, and you desire to, like, come back to that life, to that life of, like, being in your mother's womb. And idealize the whole past. You idealize the world and, like, you live your life wanting to, like, just fill the gap, fill the gap, fill the gap. And the gap, so after that, like, the gap, so the gap is called object petit a. But the object petit a is the state of wholeness that you want to return to but never get to. Yeah, exactly. So it's the actual gap. Well, the gap or what you you fill it with. The, the, I mean, the thing that's not there anymore, but that you're lacking. <laughs> the, and that can never be there, kind of. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> but the thing is, we need to understand, like, to continue the discussion, that, like, object petit a is not a real object. It can't exist. I mean, yeah, it's the state of being in your mother or uterus, so, like... So, to bring it to a simple example, like, I, I want to reframe it in Sarah's and my terms, and you tell me if I'm messing up everything. So, the object petit a discussion is very uh, important well, intriguing in Sarazanmai because you have a symbol. Well, those of you who don't speak Japanese, you won't know at all. But the symbol that looks like a circle with a, a scribble inside, it's a Japanese letter for A. And you see it all over, like the pink circle. Uh, so there is a fan theory that hasn't been confirmed as far as I know that uh, this represents in some way object petit A. But so what you are saying before as like object petit a is not an actual object, I perceive it in the fact that the author uh, and the lust thing is focused on actual worldly objects. So the the whole Yokubo 
lust, other parts go after obje- worldly objects. And in opposition to that, you have this supposedly like true uh, object petit a desire. And I think that's what the kappa are supposed to represent. And you see this duality between like the, I, I'm not going to say short term pleasure, but worldly desire and like deeper desire everywhere. You see it, especially in the titles of the episodes who are all like, I want to connect, but some things like I want to connect, like I want my object petit a, but uh, worldly desire. So the, the whole dialectic at the beginning, I feel represents this tension between the object petite and worldly desire by putting them in strict opposition, by the way. I don't know if it's like fair to Lacan or... What's a bit weird or missing, so you have that person at each episode in the first five that is completely filled with like that one lust, to not call it desire, to like simplify the discussion, can destroy the world, basically. Like what I felt when I see that is that this one desire of being kicked in the ball was feeling the guy. He is, basically this guy is a guy that wants to be kicked in the ball. Like he's fully filled by that You thing. think it's his object petit A ah, and not his object of uh, small desire, like lust, like small worldly desire, Yokubo? Uh, recently I read, I read Sartre, which fucked me a bit about like my thinking about human being. I feel that it can be even like a harder stance of what, and that's why I was saying that like it's a denunciation of what the capitalistic world do to people. It's, it remove, it completely remove objects petit A to become lust. But the thing is like, I, I think that the, like the gap that is in your like mind, uh, Sartre says neon, like the nothingness doesn't exist anymore but then then they die so you think what the, you can fill the gap of object petit air with the uh, bullshit with trash with garbage <laughs> it's not filled it disappears to the point that they are dehumanized is that what you're saying yeah I, i'm i'm reading the thing is i'm re- reading something that is purely like lacanist with sartre which doesn't work that much but what i'm saying is they lose the prospect of feeling that void because they're not even wanting to feel that void they're just that desire of because it's always perversion perversion in lacan and like that's where i'm like a bit like lacking of like knowledge and i haven't read lacan for like a while it's okay i think that like lacan perception of like everyone is a pervert in, La- in lacan but like perversion is access to reality and with access to reality, you don't like object petit is purely like symbolism and imaginary. It's not real. There are people that live in reality and like all the, and the desires that like is shown in the thing, like being kicked in the ball, like whatever is always completely real. And like that's why like they can be removed. Sartre is saying is basically there's people in life that are in French, trop plein d'être, which are just like, which... Too full. Which feels that nothingness with like objects. And you are like psychologically dead. Yeah. Yeah, so the Kappa zombies are a very good representation of that, I think. I'd like to give a shout out to our sponsor, Stairs. If you'd like to go to a different altitude from the one you're currently on, and you're not able to fly, Stairs is a time-proven way to do so. 
Stell's efficiency and simplicity of use has made it the number one way to travel vertically for ages. Stairs. Maybe we should move on a bit to the ending because I think it's a nice segue into it. Because during the first part, you, you always have this dualist opposition between worldly desire and the Kappa that fight that. And presumably, you I don't know, but that's how I perceived it. Like they are after the one true desire, like the object petit A, and like saying like, no, you're wrong to go after this worldly desire. But it turns out that the ending is... I think pretty surprising in the fact that the good guys turn out not to be right. The Kappa, uh, it's revealed that the whole conflict is because of the Kappa uh, denying their own like dark side, which created the empire, the the outer empire. So in a way, it comes from them. the The whole problem comes from them not accepting their worldly desire and. Yeah, idolizing this object petit a and so the 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 ending is in a way I, well you tell me if you have a completely different perception but uh a reconciliation where basically it's like oh accept yourself accept your flaws accept your lust and accept your lacks and everything's gonna be fine essentially and that's why it's an happy uh, happy ending but it's like to be to be fu- no, 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 to be fully human, you need to have this lust and this gap, and you'll never feel object petite. What do you think? <laughs> what did you think of the ending? I think like there's one underlying thing that we haven't talked about, and I can't talk about the ending without that is like actual love, because I I don't think Lacan when he talks about object petite like is like talking about love at all. Yes and no, meaning like, yeah, love has something to do with object petit air, like the famous sentence, like giving, love is giving, is giving to someone something that he doesn't want and that you don't have, that you don't have is object petit air, uh, is object petit air. But what's troubling me in that is that all the show is about like love. In opposition to lust. Yeah. But I, I think it's a deliberate, uh, like, blurred metaphor like they they equal like pure true love with pure true connection with fill the gap of object petite in the show which might not be like the truth but like <laughs> and all no but also what's troubling me first like love is very i'm not sure why but like there's no woman in that show the reason is that uh the director mostly focused on woman identity before and wanted to change a little bit and focused on boy <laughs> i mean there there is women always in the there's women always in the lust part in the lust fantasies no but like that's why i want to talk about it. because i realized that after like quite a while like after seven eight episodes and what's interesting is like you follow and like it's kind of like with the platonicist love meaning like you follow these three little guys that are in love with each other you follow these two authors that are in love with each other. What's interesting is in Platon, like the pure love is homosexuality love. Yeah, so there's definitely like a parallel here. There's definitely something here. I think they, they this is meant to not blur the picture with like traditional love, like to, to make it clear that it's about object but <laughs> Okay. Anyway, did you want to say something in particular about love? 
maybe it's using homosexuality to say like, okay, we're talking about like love, love versus like lust slash desire slash object. Okay. To, to get real love during all the, the episode, you have love, which is like the pure, perfect form of love. Yeah. The connection. Yeah, the con pure perfect connection can't exist. Like, it doesn't exist. Like, there's no pure form of love. And, like, in the first part, it's about pure form of love. And, like, when the little child, like, the Kazuki's little brother, is judged, is judged as, like, pure love, basically. But this pure love isn't complete, meaning it's a one-way love. So his feeling is pure, and, like, it could, like it's in this pure abstract way. But completed, it can't exist. And it never, like, it never has existed. And, like, there's this complete bullshitness, whatever. Like, the whole show is, like, kind of about, like, a part of the show is about, like, the love between the brothers, like, the two brothers. Idealized, right? Yeah, idealized love. And, like, yeah. So, so it's, like, the symbolic love that doesn't exist anywhere. Like, you can't attain that love. At the end, what you see is that to get to love, to actual love that is happening in the world, you need to remove yourself from symbolic love to put some of your desire slash lust into it to be able to accomplish love. Yeah, probably. You need to stop. You need to get real, essentially. Like, accept the fact that the ideal that the Kappa are pursuing is not the thing. <laughs> And that, like, you can't be, you can't live a healthy life if you are always in denial, like the kappa, because it creates this whole mess of dark kappa and uh, the whole antagonist. I think we're on the same page on that. Okay, last thing that I want to talk about, we can remove it from the show, but I from the thing, but like, I really want to talk about it is like at the end, at the end, so Toei is trying to remove himself from the world. So he's else. tempted by uh, dark by the dark epi and he removes himself like yeah yeah so he's he's removed from the from the connection of society and from society and connection yeah because he wants to go back to his mother womb no but he wants to go back to nothingness basically oh that's 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 really cool and so like like during that he goes into this famous like circles of like no beginning no connection no end which is actually symbolism realism and symbolism yeah that, that's the the textbook like on graph right uh i think there might also be a play on word with the original meaning of yaoi and the whole self-reflection on the fujoshi culture and the yaoi culture but that's like completely out of scope in the, in the time we have left <laughs> Because yaoi does, uh, means, like, no climax, no story, and no end, I think. Oh. But, uh, whatever. So so maybe he adapted that to fit the Lacan model. Whatever. <laughs> we, could spend other, we could spend more than one episode on this, but uh, maybe we should conclude. I feel we're missing something, and I can't say what. I mean, that's the... I... I I think I know what you feel. I think it's because it's a very rich anime with a lot of angles you can talk about. And uh, you can't talk of, about them all in a 30-minute show for first-timers. But, for instance, I had like other... Uh, I had a couple of other questions that we can leave for, for the readers. So, we scratch the surface, say, of Sarah's and my, and we'll... We probably won't do another episode but it's, we are very happy to discuss in follow-ups or on reddit or twitter or gmail 
at notdailypodcast at all these things and to to tackle the big questions like what is actually Sarazanmai? What does it mean? Why so many boxes? Why so many butts? Or we can talk about the parallels between the couples or the all the patterns and repetition and the break thereof. So anyway, get in touch with us and we will see you next time, but not tomorrow. Bye.